Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to be energized and have some serious fun. This is the Energetic Education Podcast. Introducing your host, Dale Sidebottom. Welcome to episode number 32 of the Energetic Education Podcast. I'm really fortunate today to be doing this interview in person. Adam Laveau, how are you, buddy? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Really good, mate. Now, um, not often I get to uh, interview a UK expert in person, but uh, we're both uh, fortunate enough at the moment to be uh, in Dubai for the Connected PE 2017 conference. So really nice to have you here in, uh, in person, mate. Thank you for having me. Now, I suppose for my listeners out there, I'm sure a lot of them will know who you are and things like that, mate, but um, could you just give everyone a little bit of a background on, obviously, your teaching and um, maybe why you got into it and things like that? Yeah, but I've um, always been interested in really sport and always been a keen runner. And then um, growing up, I spent a lot of time actually with my granddad, who was an elementary principal. And I think that's definitely put me on the path of teaching. From the age of 10, I wanted to be a teacher. And my granddad was given uh, MBE off the Queen for his services to education. Cool. So it was definitely, he was always really good with people and, and children. So from the age of 10, I wanted to be a PE teacher. Um, and from there, everything I've done academically has been stepping stones to where I want to go to in the future. So I did my undergrad and did sports science and looked at PE as a smaller module and then I applied to do the postgraduate training. At first didn't get in, I failed Yeah. as such. <laughs> um, I was put on the reserve list because I applied quite late but it made me think about what I was going to do instead. Um, anyway, I got accepted and loved it. In some very tough inner city schools where we have policemen on site at the school at all times, getting kids to lessons, making sure that staff were st- safe as well as the kids being safe at the same time. But it's about building up those relationships with those sort of more challenging students, which was a real eye opening to teaching. And that, that sort of got you. And I, I know from my experiences doing supply teaching yeah. in London, the UK, that some of the schools you rock up to are. Unless you've done it, like I can, re- I can really resonate with you right there. But unless you've actually been in that situation, like rocking up to double fences, security guards, police with guns, and it's in the middle of London. But then the next school, twenty meters away, could be the nicest prep school you've ever seen. So do you think uh, actually starting out in those rougher, tougher schools set you up? Definitely. And I remember a good bit of advice that one of the teachers gave me was, if you can teach here, you can teach anywhere. Yeah. And it was definitely something that I've obviously gone on and done. And I've gone and taught at some of the, the most challenging schools, but then I've taught at some of the schools where the behaviour is so good that they'll try anything, they'll want to go and try something new. And it's just been a great experience. So after that, um, I actually became a lecturer of sport, which in the UK from the ages of 16 to 19, they'll do something like sixth form. So once they finish the GCSEs. So I did that for four years. I was rocking in the office at 6am, not leaving till 7pm. The work-life balance wasn't there. Um, And I was like, there's got to be more to life than this. And I decided to just take a move and uh, moved over to China. Taught there in a very big school. We had three and a half thousand kids in the school from kindergarten through 12. Um, But very 
great experience for me, made a lot of great friends, but for PE, I didn't see it progressing fast enough and how I think PE should be taught. So then I took a position in the Middle East. Um, I was living and working in Saudi Arabia, where I was the athletic director, head of PE, taught kindergarten through 12. <laughs> so, in Saudi Arabia, in a, in a compound. I know I've spoken yeah, to you about this. In, a, in a, a lot smaller school, we only had 400 kids, but it was an experience that has really helped me grow as an educator. Um, and it's from there, it's gone from teaching to actually... Having this last past year where I've been studying my Masters in Physical Education and uh, Sport Pedagogy, having that time to reflect on the things that I've done over the past 10 years of teaching to back that up with some of the research that's actually out there. And it's been nice to think, yeah, a lot of the stuff I was doing was great. Maybe some of the stuff, maybe that can be improved. And as a teacher, that's how you grow. And yeah, I think it's important to have that time for reflection as well. And I think the, the, what you just touched on there, obviously, you've taught in some extremely different climates. You know, you've been to China, which I'm sure is challenging, but also amazing. You've been to Saudi Arabia, living in a compound. You've taught in London. You've done your masters. You've lectured. Um, for people that may be thinking about teaching overseas, I know, I know I've done it and I had a really good experience doing it in London. Um, what advice would you have for teachers out there that may be thinking, should I give it a go? For me, it's, it's been, those four years were unbelievable. Um, I'm slowly getting itchy feet to go again, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll see what happens. And, but for me, the best piece of advice is do your research, because my first position when I was in China was for, for a for-profit school, and I did not know the, these things existed. Yeah. Um, I thought education was just like in the UK, it's free, <laughs> <laughs> and it opens up your eyes to a lot more things when you realise what goes on on the international circuit. So when I um, got the position, I thought it was, yeah, great. It was all that sort of honeymoon period. But then when I saw that he wasn't as respected as maybe some of the other subjects and trying to get the kids involved, and I had to actually buy my first set of cones in the school. Really? They didn't have any? They had, you were allowed maybe four or five. <laughs> so I know Jeez, you'd want to set a game out really well if you only got five. Yeah, um, so like I was like, well, what do you want me to do with that? And so I went and bought my own stack of cones because I wanted my stack of cones. And um, PE teachers love the cones. Let's be honest. Well, and, and just just think about what we we're just doing before setting up all the gear for yeah, exactly. the conference tomorrow and a stack of cones. Yeah. So that that was because money was so tight, but it wasn't tight because we'd have all these kids paying. X amount of money. Yeah. Um, but they didn't see it as an essential. Um, so that's one of the things there. And so I think do your research. Make sure it's the right move for you. So there, there's companies I would recommend looking at someone called like Search Associates, which okay. um, they basically, schools will go to them and then advertise the jobs through them. So like a teaching agency. Just like a teaching yeah. agency. There's also the Council for International Schools. But then there's also websites such as the International Schools Review, where people will write a review on the schools or the principals. Ah. So it's a good way of getting a feel. Now, let's be honest, if you go to a hotel, most of the time, the review's on there. If it's outstanding, that's going to be there. They're pretty, if, they're pretty right, normally. Yeah, yeah. If it's uh, not so nice, then they'll... But sometimes, some of these websites, people just want to write for the sake of writing. Yeah. Um, so you have to take it with a pinch of salt, but you can slowly start to get an idea of 
what the culture would be like at the school. Is it for profit? Is it not for profit? And that was one of the reasons I moved to Saudi because it was a not-for-profit school. Um, and I agreed with the values of what the American district school was trying to achieve. Yeah. So just research, 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 but go through a, a valid company at the same time. Yeah, and I suppose the big thing is that at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying it, it's only one year, and you probably, oh, you might have signed a two-year deal and one-year yeah, deal, yeah. but at the end of the day, the experience and the life skills you'll get out of teaching abroad, I think you'll come back such a better teacher, and you just experience life out of out of the four walls of a school that you've normally been in, or the community that you've grown up in. So if you are thinking of it, um, I know we've both done it, and uh, a lot of teachers at the conference we're going to tomorrow, um, all the, they've done it as well, and it's it's a really that's probably another good way too if you are thinking about it, maybe go to a conference, you know, because it's always best to talk firsthand with other people that have either done it or currently doing it at the moment. I was petrified uh, moving to a country and my vision was having a class in front of me that didn't speak English. Yeah. And that, that was the vision in my head. And I, I, it's scary I, though. Yeah. yeah. And I spoke to friends that had worked in schools for English as an additional language uh, back in the UK, asking them what their top techniques was of get portraying the, the lesson idea or what they wanted them to achieve. And then I get there and they speak perfect American <laughs> English, you know? They speak better than that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's easy to speak better than me. <laughs> but it was, that, was my, that was my daunting task when I'm flying out there that how am I going to teach 35 students that don't speak English? Yeah. And that does happen in, in schools, but because I rocked up to the school and the area I lived in, there was no English spoken. So I'm like... Alarm bell straight Alarm away. bell, yeah. yeah. Cult, a bit of a culture shock because... Mm. You're so used to just going to the shop and getting a bottle of water. Have and, a bit of banter. Yeah, have yeah. a banter with her. And there's no English spoken where I was living. So, wow. So, yeah, that was probably the biggest fear. Cool, mate. Now, I'm going to change topic a little bit. And I suppose, um, just sort of for the listeners out there now, you, you're currently not teaching like myself. Um, we've, uh, we've obviously had a lot of experience teaching and things like that. But you've found a different niche in... Uh, a really well, one of the biggest companies in the world and something they can provide a lot of. Now, I use it a little bit, but nowhere near as much as I should. And the simple reason is I don't know a lot about it. And what I'm talking about is Google. Now, you've stepped away from teaching. You are traveling all around the world, like I do, for different sessions and running masterclasses, keynote sessions on basically how to implement Google. Now, um, you were in Denmark last week, I saw, um, obviously, in Dubai now. Can you talk us through a little bit about um, why why you love Google so much um, and secondly um, some simple tips to get started if you're like me and simply just have a Gmail account yeah. it really started while I was in, in China of all places now I don't know if you know but Google's banned in China so you can't actually access Google in China so how did it start when you were craving <laughs> exactly. it you are breaking the law I, yeah no, I don't know how, how it really started I, I just came across it and I'm one of these people that if I see how something works, i.e. paperwork or um, instructional ideas, how can I use technology to make my life easier? Whether that's an iPad, whether that's a desktop, how can I use the technology to make my life easier but also enhance the teaching and learning? So I'm there, I'm running an under-15s football team and I'm having to literally send pieces of paper out to every single parent and give it to the student to say, 
Right, you need to go and get this signed to say you can play next weekend and get the parents to sign the kid's life away. So and I can guarantee every teacher listening <laughs> is shaking their And I guarantee probably over half of them are still doing that. Yeah, and it, and it, it still happens. So I, I thought there's got to be a better way of what I'm trying to achieve here. So I've, I came across Google Forms and I started to look into it a little bit more and I'm finding out that I can send anybody a link and they can input their information and then that all colorates in a spreadsheet for me that I can just print the one spreadsheet out with emergency telephone numbers on, use it as an attendance list. I was like, wow, that, that, that would work really well for yeah, me. Yeah. So I had to use something called a, a VPN or a virtual private network to actually access Google while I was in China. But once I used that, I could set up the Google form and then just send the parent the link and they could access that link at the time. And then they blocked that completely. <laughs> so, but it worked for a while. But that really started my journey of trying to um, use that. And then I found out about sharing files with other members of my department. I was yep. like, this is brilliant. Yeah. And then when I moved to Saudi, we were um, a Google school. So it was Google throughout the whole school. And, and so, so many schools these days are becoming Google schools. There's over 80 million students and educators that, that are currently using well, Google for education. Yeah. And I, went, I literally rocked in and they were very much, it was American district school and they were looking at fitness testing. So I said, when I first walked in as the director of athletics, I said, I want to see what happens for the first month and then I'll make a few changes. So I was watching what was happening. They were doing fitness testing. I said, so the kids do these tests. Then, then what? Well, they write the scores down. Okay. And then what? She's the, my teaching colleague, she said, oh, we input it into a spreadsheet. I said, pardon? I said, <laughs> this is grade 7 to grade 12. I said, so... So how many kids was that roughly? 250, 300 kids. Okay. I said, so we're going to input however many tests we were doing, six, for example, per student, times that by 200. That's a, that's a lot of work. I said, how long does this take? She said, a few hours, easily. I just looked at her and shook my head and said, we're not doing that. Yep. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, there's quicker and easy ways we can get all that data in one spreadsheet. So I started teaching her about how to use it for fitness testing. So we created a very basic form, and to validate the information, the partners that would set up, they'd write it on the piece of paper, and then in the final session, I would put in my partner's information, because why would I lie about my partner's yeah, information? Yeah. And he'd do the same thing. That's, that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, just I like to, to yep. val validate the information. And then I showed how we could manipulate it through the spreadsheets, and we could just, I could share the spreadsheet with my colleague, and we can access the same sheet at the same time, we can make amendments. And that's how it started. And then I found out that, oh, there's a little bit more to that. So as the students filled their, their partner's information in, as soon as they click submit, it would then fire off a fitness report with all the students' data in. So they'd have an individual sort of receipt, a report as a PDF document yeah. with our school logo. And it was just brilliant how it all sort of comes together. Without you actually... Doing it, it's a bit of back end work. Back end work, maybe a couple of hours. Yep. But that's set up for the year, two years, three years, four years. You think about the time that you were entering the data, of course. and it was nowhere near as good. Unbelievable. Yep. So it's about work. My mantra is work smarter, not harder. And I love it. 
I'm all about that. I'm all about showing teachers and educators how you can use the technology to make your life easier. So I sort of started using Google. I started presenting it. We had a, the first Google Summit in Saudi Arabia, and I'd been using the tools for quite a while, and I offered to do a session, and they were like, yeah, please come along and do the session. And then I found out that there's actually teaching qualifications that you can do for Google. So you can go and do your level one, and I recommend that for anyone that's currently using it because it gives you a really good overview of all the tools. It's very self-paced learning. And then you can do your level two, and then from that level two, which is quite a bit more advanced, but if you're using it a lot, you'll definitely find a lot of you'll use from it. You'll pick it up, yeah. yeah, of course. You can then apply for, it's called Google Innovator, and then Google Trainer. So I've been using the tools for a while, not really thought anything more. Once I got to my level two, I was like, well, I'm busy doing my own stuff. And then I decided to apply for the Google Innovation Academy in London. And there was over 350 applicants, and they picked 35 from around the world. One person came from New Zealand, so your neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot from America and only a few from England. Um, but we all went to London for three days of heat. PD um, with Google at the Google headquarters, which was an experience in itself. I bet it was. There were some people there that were already Google trainers. I just never thought about it, but I'd been doing sessions on Google. And then after that, I became a Google trainer. So I've just come, like you said, come back from Denmark uh, for the Danish Google Summit. I did the UK Google Summit earlier in the year. And then in three weeks' time, I'm off to Norway to do the Norway Google Summit. So it's it's a great adventure at the moment. Sounds, uh, sounds amazing, mate. It's just so good for collaboration, and I think that's what teachers need to realise, that if you're having a, a department meeting and you've got a couple of members of staff, you can share the, the minutes or the, the notes for the meeting beforehand. People can add as they wish, rather than that email backwards and forwards. And then while the meeting's taking place, those minutes can be typed up there and then in real time by four or five members of staff and add what they need to add. As they're going. As they're going. Yeah. And they're not waiting for a week after where that's the way it used to be, where you'd wait a week and then you'd get the minutes from the, the week and, before. And you'd forgotten about the meeting anyway and you're just like, what's going on here? So, yeah, man, I, I really like that. And I suppose um, I was going to say this in an interview, but um, you have been posting some amazing stuff on social media, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um if people are like, well, I really like the sound of this and I haven't heard much about Google, what are your handles so to follow you to find these? Because you are posting a lot of free content. So um, get in early um, <laughs> because I guarantee this stuff won't keep happening. All right, he's in hot demand. So if I want to check out some of these things, maybe what were a couple of things you've posted in the last two weeks and where can I find them? So I use um, my blog is mradampe.com. And, and I'll put I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, and that's um, I sort of post about how I've used the different Google tools in an educational context, whether it's spreadsheets, looking at data, changing cell colors, putting a for example a line graph in a one cell, so people can see the, the progression. So you might have test results from five, ten, fifteen, twenty, and then it'll give you a line graph in your very final cell. So it's a good way of obviously showing admin data. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Adam PE. Um, the current post that's there is some anatomy diagrams that I've made, which allow you to share the picture with the students, and then they can drag the labels 
to the different section of the, the cardiovascular system, the respiratory system, the, the muscular system. And I, I, I did say that. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool, mate. <laughs> I was very impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Um, or on Facebook, uh, there's a Facebook page, MrAdamPE.com. So they're probably your, your three, three. And, and I suppose the big thing, you, are, you do target PE teachers, but a lot of this stuff, and as you mentioned, that first blog, it doesn't just apply to PE teachers. All this can be applied in the classroom for any subject, right? And, you, and you, you're going to be kidding yourself if you don't get on there and have a look because it should be implemented just simply to save time. Yeah. Yep. It's about, for you, teachers are busy enough and to find out these different ways of working smarter within the different, um, either the Google Chrome or the Google uh, Docs, sheets, forms, drawings. Once you learn those tools... It will, it's a mindset change. Yep. And you will change the way that you work. And to go paperless, you think of, I'm not a paper person, and the amount of assignments I've changed over the years where I've gone in and taken a module over, and they used to have to hand in yeah. four files. And four, gone, trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, four trees. Yeah. Four trees and 44 trees. But then it's gone, well, no, we can do that in a big slideshow and get students collaborating and using the technology and... It's for all subjects. Obviously, it's got a key spin on it. Yeah, but, and that's easy to change. Yeah, I suppose the big thing is, and what I love about this is that Google, it is all free. Yeah. You don't have to pay a cent for any of this. You know, you can keep all your files online in the cloud for free. Right? So you can access them anywhere, and that's just the start of it. Yeah, and I don't, maybe people don't know, they've not maybe worked into something like the Google Keep, where it's just to-do lists that you can have on your device, you can have it on your... Google Photos, if you've got your, if you're paying for storage, by the way, please stop. There's no need to pay for storage anymore. Um, you've got stuff like Google Photos where you can put your photos into the cloud to take your photos off your device. And then if you go on the desktop version and type in, for example, Dubai, all my photos I ever took in Dubai. Yeah. And you're probably thinking, yeah, that's a geolocation. But then if I go a bit further and was to uh, type in, for example, Red Football, any photo that has a red football in it... You're kidding. I'm not kidding. If you really? If you type in gym for the gymnasium, any photos that have been taken in a gym that I have uploaded personally and not tagged, they it's reading the data off the photo. Wow. So if you're worried about wearing the same shirt, <laughs> you, <laughs> <Yeah>. could say, <laughs> you could say blue shirt. <laughs> and you're like, when, when oh, was the last time I wore it? Oh, God, I wore that last week. It's just unreal. That, that is insane. Yeah, you just have to have a little play with it. And See, I thought Facebook was amazing where it'd pick up everybody's face. <laughs> yeah. not, not a football or a soccer ball or a cricket ball. That is, that's blowing my mind. So that's why I love doing this. Now, I'm learning today too, man. I'm, I'm a newbie to all this. That's pretty impressive. So if that didn't impress you, I'm going to go and check out all this stuff a little bit. Now, um, I always like to finish uh, podcasts with some uh, little bits of words of wisdom, mate. So I'd like a top tip. So if you were speaking to teachers, I said, you can only say one tip, one tip only. What would that be, mate? Work smarter, not harder. Hey, good. <laughs> and how do you do that? Use Google. Yeah. No, just use the technology. It doesn't have to be Google, but use the technology to help your own teaching practice to, first of all, give you that more time, and that time you can then spend with your students. Yeah, um, and I, I couldn't agree more, and, and I don't think technology will ever replace us as teachers. All Relati right? Relationships are so important. 100%, yeah. but what it can do, it can give you more time to spend building that relationship instead of 
entering fitness data yes. or, you know, doing checklists and things like that. that you just can waste facilitate time. the learning a lot better. Yep. You're not a dictator of information, stood at chalk and talk as some people used to do. Yep. You're now being able to move around the classroom a lot more and allow kids to basically see a bigger world out there yep. just by using the technology. You, I've, I can show you some stuff this weekend where we can go to the Great Barrier Reef from Dubai. Yeah. And we can look at it on our phones and we can be looking around everywhere. Now, for me, if I can take a, a group of students to the Great Wall of China and we've not left the classroom, that's a new experience for me. Awesome, because you're getting that experience. You can write about it, you can yeah. talk about it. Exactly. You know, there's all your lessons without actually leaving. And it's free. Yeah. And that, I think that's the really big thing. And if people are skeptical, you're silly because you're actually losing money by not getting on board. I just think for that photo thing alone, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, final thing, um, things coming up in the future. Obviously, uh, really exciting times for you, mate, with, uh, you know, obviously going around presenting on Google and everything you do. Um, you mentioned Norway. Um, what's in plan for the rest of the year and obviously going ahead 2018? For listeners out there, um, any chance coming to Australia, mate? If I get the invite, <laughs> yeah, I'd more than be happy to. At the moment, like I said, Norway's on its on on the list. Hong Kong in November, maybe some a few little bits in England over December, and then Germany in April. Cool. But between those times, yeah, we could maybe look at something. Done, mate. Well, I, I think I'm coming over to the UK in uh, March, April, so make sure you're not in Germany for that. But, uh, no, thank you very much for uh, the podcast today, mate. It's always nice to do one of these in person. Definitely. And hopefully, listeners, you got something for that. Thanks, Adam. Thank you.